Well, hello. This is Welcome to Wednesday, another bonus edition of Get Ready for Sunday. Today I'll be talking about the scripture readings for the Masses in Roman Catholic Churches on Ash Wednesday. The scripture proclaimed on this day is the same every year. While in the Bible there is no direct mention of Ash Wednesday or Lent, there is quite a bit about that in the bonus episode accompanying this one. It's titled, So Lent? I'll just say here that the tradition of distributing ashes to begin the Lenten period of intense spiritual discipline predates the Council of Nicaea that was convened in the year 325. It was after that meeting of the world's bishops that the practice rapidly spread from its originating communities to become common throughout the whole church. Let's first consider the Gospel of the day, which is always taken from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. In the passages proclaimed today, Jesus is giving his disciples very detailed instructions about how they are to conduct their own personal practices of fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. The following is the Gospel for Ash Wednesday. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them, otherwise you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, Do not blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your almsgiving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not appear to be fasting except to your Father who is hidden. And your Father who sees what is hidden will repay you. I have a confession to make. For years I thought there was a great and glaring inconsistency between the instructions Jesus gives here and the action we would take just a few minutes after hearing it at this Ash Wednesday Mass. I felt that way, however, only before I studied the passage more deeply. You see, Jesus is taking on what is one of his most despised temptations and those who fall prey to it. He's taking on hypocrisy and showing hypocrites the way out of their trap. He is talking about personal practices, 
not communal practices. Christians do both. We must do both. We must exist in community, pray as community, and act in ways of which only a community is capable. Jesus is not addressing the communal practices, like the Mass on Ash Wednesday. As I read this passage, I hear the you in the repeated phrases, when you fast, give alms, pray, as a singular, not a plural you. We come together as community to do what we all are called to do. We hear about that in the first reading. It is indeed an ancient practice. I hope you'll notice the implied instruction in what Jesus says. When you fast, when you give alms, when you pray, he does not say if you fast, if you give alms, if you pray. He expects his followers to live practicing those three virtuous behaviors as part of everyday life. Each, by the way, is also an integral part of the Jewish tradition. It's instructive also to put this passage in its place within the chronological progression of Matthew's gospel. By the time we get here, chapter 6, Jesus has been baptized, faced the great trials of his 40 days in the desert, begun his public ministry, chosen his first disciples, preached all over the region, and gained a widespread reputation for the power of his teaching. In chapter 5, he began what Matthew records as a long summary of all his teachings. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew devotes three full chapters of his gospel to it, chapters 5 through 7. We're in chapter 6. Jesus is instructing his disciples and a great crowd from throughout the area. He is giving them what are certainly radical teachings for his time. Love your enemies, forgive those who persecute you, be merciful, the kingdom of God already belongs to the poor and the marginalized? It's the Beatitudes. In our passage today, Matthew has placed these words of Jesus at the very center of that three-chapter-long instruction. Is it a teaching of great importance to Jesus, to all who would hope to follow his path in life? I'd say so. Now I need to go back and pick up the supporting cast, that is, the scripture readings that precede today's gospel. First, we hear from the book of Joel, one of the twelve minor prophets in the Hebrew scriptures. Remember, minor simply tells us their writings were not lengthy. It doesn't mean their work is unimportant. A best guess as to the time in which Joel wrote this is about the year 400 B.C., there is no outstanding single event mentioned in his work that pegs him accurately to a particular time period. Give a listen. A reading from the book of the prophet Joel. Even now, says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to the Lord your God. For gracious and merciful is he, 
slow to anger, rich in kindness, and relenting in punishment. Perhaps he will again relent and leave behind him a blessing, offerings and libations for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet, Zion, proclaim a fast, call an assembly, gather the people, notify the congregation. Assemble the elders, gather the children and the infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom quit his room and the bride her chamber. Between the porch and the altar let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare, O Lord, your people, and make not your heritage a reproach with the nations ruling over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord was stirred to concern for his land and took pity on his people. This is a call to communal prayer and penitence in a desire to renew the relationship between the Jewish people and God. That it starts with a gathering of the people is as explicit as you can get. But there is no specified disaster or disobedience from which the people are asking to be delivered. There is a plague of locusts mentioned in the preceding chapter, but that doesn't help much. To say it was after the locusts swarmed in the region at that time is much like saying it was a hot, sunny, dry day about an event in the desert. It doesn't really narrow things down much. It is noteworthy that through Joel, God addresses both the communal as well as the deeply personal and intimate aspects of prayer. Communal, get the whole group together, even the babies. Personal, rend your hearts, not your garments. Enter into the repentance not just for show, but from your deepest self. God's distaste for hypocrisy shows up again. I'll not include the responsorial psalm today other than to pluck out from it the words that speak most directly to me about proper disposition during the Lenten season. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. A willing spirit sustain in me. That's from the 51st psalm. Now just a quick look at today's passage from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. For the sake of brevity, I'll try to do just some interlinear comment here. I hope the tone of voice and the choice of words will make it clear which are Paul's words and which are mine. Brothers and sisters, we are ambassadors for Christ as if God were appealing through us. That is, when we seek to be a member of the body of Christ, we become his representative, his arms, legs, and voice to the people we encounter. It is always so, whether we like it or not. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled with God. We are not perfect. We'll make mistakes and wrong choices, sometimes big ones. We always need to deal with those if we hope to fulfill our role. For our sake he made him to be sin who did not know sin, 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus has opened the door to complete reconciliation between humanity and divinity. Working together, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. The grace of forgiveness and mercy is always there for us. We are the only ones who can thwart its effectiveness by refusing to act on it. For he says, In an acceptable time I heard you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is a very acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The present moment is the right time to turn toward grace. The present moment is all there is, and it is sufficient. Many of us have been taught that Ash Wednesday starts a time of giving something up. We are, in fact, entering a season of intensifying three spiritual disciplines. It is about doing more in each. Increase your prayer. Health permitting, either begin, reclaim, or intensify your discipline of fasting. Give more to those in need. Enough for now. God willing, I'll be back in a few days with the readings for the first Sunday of Lent. I pray you are able to see God bless others through what you do.